Amanda and Barron, and we are back again with Kicking Cancer Cares. Our second sponsor for the second half is Marianne McNally. She is a residential real estate specialist with Next Home Realty Connection. She is currently going through her own battle, as you guys know, so make sure to keep her in your prayers, thoughts, and all of that good stuff, please. She could really, really use it this time with um, battling breast cancer. Um, But if you are looking to buy a home, sell a home, or just not sure where to start, go ahead and give her a call. She can be reached at 503 409-4389. All right. You want to talk some more about Brzezinski? Yeah. So first off, you you are the one person in this room that hasn't seen that documentary. Right. <clears throat> so this is all kind of new for you. Are you a bit shocked by this? Yeah. Uh, frustrated. Frustrated. Um, <laughs> I think that Victoria would echo that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I don't understand. It's like our health needs um, and what's in our best interest is not a real genuine concern. And something that keeps replaying over and over in a lot of these different situations is that they put their wealth over our health over and over and over again. That is their end game. And so it's it makes you wonder, would they rather see people suffer and do all of these radiation and chemotherapies and, and all of this versus a much more effective treatment? Yeah. I think back to a couple weeks ago when Lisa Walker was with us mm-hmm. and she said something really intriguing. I hadn't even thought about this, but the pharmaceutical industry was, they were trying to figure out how do you take willow bark which is a really good pain reliever, and actually synthetically recreate willow bark, which is where acetaminophen came from. Mm -hmm. And so it was in the late 1800s, early 1900s, that we began the pharmaceutical industry. Well, like any entrepreneur back then, whether it be the railroad industry or oil or steel or whatever, the Rockefellers said there might be a possibility in this pharmaceutical thing, and thus began the industry of what we know as standard medicine care Mm -hmm. for a hundred years that we became locked into the protocols and now you've got a guy that's trying to to break the protocols and anything that affects their economic base they don't like right (laughs) right so i just did a really quick search and according to global market insights the u.s oncology market which is treatment of cancer in 2022 was 280 billion dollars with a b Wow. Now, Dr. Brzezinski's treatments with peptides, I mean, they cost pennies, literally, compared to to a standard chemo regimen. Let's just say the standard chemo regimen, if it costs, say, $50,000, the same type of regimen in peptides is like 10 bucks. Really? And and non-invasive. Non-invasive, no side effects. You don't lose your hair. You don't get sick. You don't have diarrhea and nausea and vomiting. That's what I was going to ask. You don't have all of the side effects of chemo or radiation. Literally, next to no side effects. There is, you do have to... taking these peptides and putting them into the guy's system, right? Mm -hmm. The personal system. And they do say that you get a little dehydrated, so they tell you to drink more water. And, and that's, that's it. That's about it. Wow. I would imagine drinking more water would have been a good recommendation, right, Victoria? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, the one thing that's interesting, and when again, uh, if anyone wants this link, just email Amanda at... Amanda at kslm.news. It is an, it's a two-hour documentary, mm-hmm. but even if you get part of it, or you know, what I did one day is I threw it out so I could listen while I was driving. But in 1982, there's a spot early on, and I think Victoria knows where I'm headed with this. Um, it was a like a talk show, like Dr. Oz, and it, there was a lady who was a doctor who had a talk show, and she had brought Brzezinski in to explain his procedure. Then she asked another doctor who was in the crowd to stand up, and she said, do you find any controversy in what Brzezinski is talking about? And he said the controversy isn't in the methodology 
the, the controversy is in the, it's not the application, the application to controversial, it's the methodology that's controversial because it's not mainstream. Do you think I'm saying that correctly? Basically, he was saying that because he's not doing his research in a research facility, like a government-funded research facility or a university, which that is still... That takes years and millions which and millions and millions still, of dollars? Yeah. It, that's still going <clears throat> and has not had no end to it? Well, and, and <laughs> a lot of the research is done at universities, medical universities, okay. which are still government-funded, so right. they're still technically government institutions. Because he's doing his research outside of quote-unquote, the mainstream, right. what they want you to do, um, that's what's controversial. He's doing his research outside of what they have dictated is the appropriate way to do research. And I feel like it almost comes down to control also. A hundred percent. control. They, yeah. they want control. Yes. As long what, as the government they, can control the process, then it's okay. Yeah. And that's what the FDA was using. So I did mention this little caveat in the FDA that what he was doing became criminal. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> Saving lives is criminal. All right. Um, <laughs> so what do we do to our government then? <laughs> uh, how do I articulate this in an appropriate way? Um, <laughs> keeping it clean is a family show. Uh, what the government does often is criminal. And mm -hmm. I believe that this... Method. They basically changed the rules after the game started. You, you remember playing as a kid with the guy down the street, the, the other kids down the street. And there's always that one kid who decided in the middle of the game they were changing the rules because they weren't winning. Oh, I hate that kid. <laughs> and, and so they changed the rules so that they could win because they, they, they see that they were losing and, and they wanted to win. And so they changed the rules in the middle of the game. And, and that's really what... Um, the government has done to Dr. Brzezinski repeatedly as they've changed the rules in the middle of the game on multiple occasions in order to control the game to make them win instead of allowing him success at what he was doing. And it does say at one point in the documentary, the attorney is looking at this sentence and he says, how many millions of dollars of tax taxpayer dollars are you going to waste going after this guy? You, you haven't proven your case for 10 years. Mm-hmm. They convened more than four different grand juries, and I say more because I don't know if it was five or six or seven, but they convened more than four, they know for sure, more than four grand juries, and in all of them, except the very last one, there were no indictments whatsoever. They did not have enough evidence. That's what a grand jury is designed to do, right. is evaluate the evidence. Is there enough evidence to bring this to trial? And in the first minimum four, potentially six or seven, grand juries. They could not indict. There was not enough evidence based on what they were claiming that he was doing versus their laws that anything was wrong. And so they couldn't indict him. They finally were able to get a grand jury after over a decade of trying to indict him on 70 different counts. And they ended up dropping all but one because they, you know, I don't know if you guys know law, but when you get into a lawsuit, they, you're going to name everything you can possibly think of. And then you usually drop the three quarters or more of them mm -hmm. because you're just trying to make it look really impressive and you're trying to give more work for the defense to have to do so you can confuse them. Well, they ended up dropping seven or 69 or 70 of the 71 counts. They took him to trial on the one and he was completely exonerated. Oh, wow. All right, Victoria, you're shaking your head. What are your thoughts here? You're speechless. I, I, it's just frustrating. It just is. We should all have a choice, mm -hmm. and we should have the option. We have the option to search, but there's too much information out there, and you don't know what to take as truth and what isn't truth. And when you're diagnosed with a catastrophic cancer diagnosis in particular, you're in the fight immediately, and you know you need to do something quick. 
or yeah. you feel that you need to do something quick. Um, and it's just frustrating. Not to make light of anybody's cancer, uh, but, but Dr. Isaacson, so two of the four of us have had cancer, and yours was pretty catastrophic. It was. Yeah, it was. Um, you want me to you, cover can, that real yeah, quick? Can, yeah, so we did tell it, and people mm-hmm. can go to it. They can go to kicking-cancer.org, hit stories, put in Victoria's name. You can read her entire story there, but just real quick. Kind I'll of, condense it. Yeah, condense you bet. it. Yeah, so 2016, coming up almost seven years ago, noticed a very minor, minor upper uh, intestinal discomfort. It wasn't painful, but it was enough. It wasn't normal, so I went to the doctor. They did some tests, thought it might be gallbladder, then determined, no, something looks funny with your liver. Then they determined it's cancer, but it's not liver cancer. So they thought it probably is breast, started in the breast. Uh, Did some more tests, determined that it was. It was uh, termed invasive ductal carcinoma, hormone receptor positive, HER2 negative, stage 4 breast cancer that had spread to my liver and bones. Pretty dire diagnosis. Yeah. yeah. Um, Liver's never a good place for the cancer to go. No. And bones? Bones, no. yeah. Yikes. So anyway, uh, my prior mammograms had all been fine. Had one MRI to make sure it had not gone to the brain, which was terrifying in that, just thinking about that. Started chemotherapy, did no surgery, no radiation. After 10 months of chemo, had my first PET scan. Follow-up appointment with the oncologist to go over the PET scan results revealed there were no hot spots. I said, great, what does that mean? I mean it sounded good, but I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so she kept talking, but at that point I wasn't hearing her because I had an appointment across the hallway for my chemo. And so I said, excuse me, but I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I really, our appointment's across the hall for a chemo. I need to get over there. So no, we're not doing that today. My heart sank. I thought, oh my God, what, am I, what do you mean we're not doing that? Because you thought the worst, right? Yes, you always do a stage any kind of cancer, but particularly stage four. Um, anyway, so she said, we, we don't need to do that treatment right now. We're going to take you off of that, put you on a daily hormone blocker, because that's where mine had started. Um, and you'll be doing that. We'll monitor you as we go forward, and you're going to be okay. And I'm like, uh, okay. So I left that room. I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. I've been monitored daily since almost a year you're letting me go you can't do that i need need to be monitored (laughs) so i i we left and it it's just incredible so doctor was patient she kept smiling continued to help me try to understand what was going forward that the cancer was stabilized traditional chemo was not necessary and that was almost seven years ago as i mentioned had i've had four CT scans through the treatment, and then after that, I actually two weeks ago I had my sixteenth PET scan. That's clear. It's a Victoria moment. moment. (laughs) That's clear. I continue to be humbled. I am incredibly grateful and absolutely amazed at this. Uh, All the cancer lesions in my bones have healed. I didn't know that was possible. And I remain vigilant every day to continue to do everything I can to prevent cancer recurrence or any other kind of disease. And now I just live with a chronic disease. Um, in a way, I I don't feel sick. I'm not sick, and I'm not going to be. And I'm here to, I'm just here to provide hope for others mm-hmm. and to fight the fight so that people can be healthy and survive and work through all of these complexities that are unnecessary. So you mentioned two things, and I'm going to reference a prior show and then get Dr. Eisen's thoughts on this. But there was a study done, and they used people from the United States and Australia, and there was a quarter billion people in the study, 
was done in 2016 that there was 22 different cancers represented. The only common denominator was chemotherapy. Okay. Only 2% of those people lived past the five-year mark. Wow. And the, wow. the point being is if Ford Motor Company made a car that exploded 98% of the time, they would stop making that car, right? It would be So why are we still doing chemotherapy? And yet, Victoria, you're that 2%. I am. And you know, the, the only thing, the chemo that I was, first drug I was put on was uh, Taxol, which was made, created from the Pacific yew tree. Now, this might sound odd to some of you out there, but trees I just love. They're, they're healing. They're a healing factor. And I just love the beauty of them. So when I heard that, I latched onto that positivity. And I thought, oh my gosh, a natural substance, laughing, it's chemo. It's a horribly toxic drug. That natural substance is going to go through my system and just take everything out. And I kept that in my mind every day. Yeah. So I don't know what helped me be right where I am right now, but whatever the whole menu of recipe items I utilized is working. Well, the other thing that you mentioned, and I know Dr. Eisen has talked about this before, you had 16 P PET scans. Hmm. So what exactly does a PET, Dr. Eisen? What's a PET scan? Positron emission. It's... Uh, Part of, a, of an atom, when you break an atom down, there's positrons inside, right? And okay. so you're, you're throwing those at the body and seeing how they react. In areas where there is a high concentration of cancer, uh, you'll get a hot spot, as the doctor here called, uh, as her doctor called it. You get a hot spot. It, it comes back and shows there's an area where those positrons are. Um, I can't remember if they're either bouncing back or if they're being absorbed, but basically there's an area where the positrons are reacting highly, and that means there's cancer there. So uh, positrons are parts of an atom, and they are essentially, I can't call them radioactive, but they are, uh, they do react to your DNA and create changes in your DNA, much the way mm -hmm. that uh, radiation does. So you said last time you were on the show that we're using radiation to treat cancer, but radiation can cause cancer. Yes. And, Interesting. And why, why would the doctors have Victoria go in 16 times? That is a good question. I think you should ask your doctors that. <laughs> I well, mean, I, I, I would think that if you went 10 times, I'm like, okay, your 10 times are clear, but then 11, 12. There's definitely a level of assurance for the patient to see a clear right. scan. And, and you want the patient to have that assurance that there is a clear scan. Right. But there's always a balance between how much are we providing assurance to the patient versus how much potential harm are we causing. In, in chiropractic, we do a lot of x-rays. We take x-rays of backs a lot because that's, that's what we deal with. But there's always a balance between how much information am I getting off of that x-ray in relation to how much potential harm I'm causing by exposing that person to radiation. And I always have to make that, that judgment call, which is one reason why they're very hesitant to take x-rays of children. Children's uh, growth plates in their bones are still open, and growth plates are highly susceptible to radiation. So taking an x-ray of a child is not advised except in extenuating circumstances. So a child comes into my office, I'm not taking an x-ray unless I expect there may be a broken bone. And even then, I'm probably going to send them to the hospital where there is a pediatric 
uh, orthopedist on site who can interpret those x-rays and we'll let them do that because then they're liable for the exposure of the radiation instead of me. That being said, there's always that balance between how much information are we gleaning from this test and how much potential harm can it cause. So when it comes to PET scans, I'm not super up to speed on, on how much exposure is appropriate. Um, but I do know they probably could see fairly well with an MRI, and I'm surprised they didn't choose the MRI route rather than a PET scan. But again, I'm not 100% up speed on all the PET imaging information. Well, and you mentioned four CT scans. So what does the CT stand for? <sighs> computed, computed, and I forget the T, but it's it's an X-ray. Okay. But it's it's it does X-ray in three-dimensionality, so you're taking slices of the patient in X-ray instead of one, one single of thing. It is a tube you go through. Uh, MRI, everyone knows the MRI tube. The CT tube is similar, but it's much shorter and it's much faster. But the amount of radiation you're exposed to in a CT is roughly a thousand times what an X-ray does. Oh my goodness! It's a lot of radiation. Fortunately, I only had four. Yeah. <laughs> so over the last seven years, you have had radiation thrown at you in one way or another 20 different times. And, and I'm not glowing. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Should we turn off the lights in the studio to make sure? <laughs> Double check. I need a black light. Um, again, we're not trying to second guess your doctors because no. we don't know, but it, I, I find it intriguing because you have a medical background. And Do you think that was, that was necessary? Again, I'm not totally up to speed on, on PET scan technology, and, and I know it's changed a lot over the years. I'm staying up to speed on x-ray technology because that's what I use, Sure. Um, but I haven't sped up to speed on, on PET scan technology and other things like to. that because I don't need to. It's not right. part of my, my daily clinic usage, so I, it's hard for me to, to speculate and say anything more about that just because I don't know enough right. about PET scans. You know, Baron, really quick, as a patient sitting there with that catastrophic diagnosis, and when I asked a year after the first three, pet, four PET scans were done, you know, do, are we going to continue every 90 days, or is there an opportunity to go out six months, maybe even a year? And I saw the look in my doctor's face, and because every time I go in, they put their palm out and say, you are this, your survival is this many that we've ever experienced in 30 plus years of treating your diagnosis. We don't see survivals like yours. I think they were scared to mm -hmm. not do it. Quite yeah. honestly, that and so in sense. in fairness to them, I can be as critical as as much as I possibly can. But I, I really feel, in fairness to them, that's where they were, and so yeah. I go in a couple weeks to meet with oncologists. We'll see what they say now. I don't know. And I would imagine that I don't do that for a living. But if I did do that for a living, and I know that most of the people that got what you got didn't, and you did, it's like, well, let's just keep checking because yeah the shoe's gonna drop at some point well, so and what's that's going on exactly and i go to a support group twice a month have for the last six seven years most of the ladies are in stage they're in three or fourth clinical trials that aren't working and it's just catastrophic it's it's sad and so here i come round to me it's still doing good <laughs> but they tell me please tell us that you're our hope we can we want to get where you are yeah well i know you're humbled every day but I mean, you are providing hope to so many women so that's a plus for you. Thank you. You know, I, I, I would say, given what we just talked about, which you didn't know seven years ago, if, if you had three doors to choose from, and, and we'll call the first door door A, which is radiation, and door B is Brzezinski, and door C is chemotherapy, which door would you go through? see what you, you did through? there. Did door two. You'd go through door two? I would absolutely, I would absolutely find out. Because you got out. down there two doors. Exactly. Yeah. 
I would. Any thoughts there, Amanda? This is all new for you. It is. Um, back to her doctors giving her that many um, PET scans. I, like you said, your survival rate was not high. Um, and that could probably be scary for them as well. Um, and going a whole six months and double the time, they were probably just scared. I would agree. Also. Um, and, yeah, it's hard to weigh out the pros and cons. And um, cancer's a difficult, nasty, tricky, deceiving disease um, that's difficult to navigate in so many different ways. There's so many different kinds and so many different body types. And no one person is the same. So one of the things that we've mentioned several times today, and we've kind of danced around it, but I want to address it head on, is fear. There is so much fear mm -hmm. with this diagnosis. I mean, mm -hmm. Victoria, you were terrified, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, my cancer, just about 10 years ago, it, it scared me. You know, it, it's weird being in your 30s, sitting in a cancer treatment facility, having everybody else with gray hair or no hair, and I'm 30, <laughs> 30s, and I'm, and I'm young and I'm healthy. And I'm like, why am I here? But it, it's scary, you know? And, and we talk about the doctors. They're scared about your outcomes. They're scared mm -hmm. about uh, whether their treatment's going to work or not. So I have one question for the group. Have any of you ever made a good decision when you were scared? No. no. Mm -mm. So we need to remove the fear from this. Yeah. This entire industry has so much fear associated with it. We need to remove that fear and walk forward in faith and with hope. Because with faith and hope, the fear goes away and good decisions can be made. So wow. that's a really good It's really powerful. <laughs> Um, in, I, I had a story I was going to bring in, and um, I'm going I'm I'm to veer for a second from the story I had planned. Okay. Because we just learned something, and these people both know. So when I had this idea to start getting cancer, uh, a good friend of mine says, you need to be a 501c3, and I'll be on the board, but you got to fix this. And so I did my due diligence, and I reached out to some friends. Dr. Ison was part of our founding board. But another member of the board was Faye DeMeyer, mm -hmm. who at one time was at this station. Mm -hmm. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Victoria, but it seems like she had already battled through uterine cancer, right? Correct. It was about the early part of 2020, which is where we're at in our timeline, um, for a variety of reasons, Faye left the board of directors. Mm -hmm. You know, you can only get, Faye's very busy, and you can only be so busy. Right. <laughs> and, and so she resigned. She was the president of the board at the time, and she resigned from the board of directors. But I kept in touch with her. We kept talking. And then for a while here, I haven't heard from Faye. Um, but Faye just made an announcement that she now has stage no. three or stage four. I can't remember which. But she has pancreatic cancer. No. And it's moved out. It's metastasized to her colon. Oh. Let's put that in perspective, Dr. And What does that all mean? Well, she's still in, in sort of the early days of knowing uh, how extensive the cancer is and how potentially harmful it can be. Um, <clears throat> so there's still a lot of unknowns, and they have to do a lot more testing before they, they can move forward. But um, it, it's very similar to the diagnosis that you had, Victoria. It, it's, it's very scary right now. But Faye, as we know, is a person of faith, a very strong yes. faith. And she is relying on her God and her Savior, and she's relying on her community of faithful uh, friends and followers to encourage her and pray for her. So I encourage the same. Pray for yeah. Faye. She needs it. Yeah. Wow. You know, you bring up the fear 
factor that we need to remove. And I watched Faye's, one of her posts that she did the other day, and I'm listening to her, and I know her well enough that I wish I would have had her mindset and knowledge seven years ago when I was first diagnosed because I didn't. She's just amazing. Um, walking that faithful path calms you enough to be able to be mindful of what your next steps are going to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key, you know, I, whether it was intentional or not, and I'm not saying it was intentional, but we got to a point with everything with cancer that it really is fear. It, yeah. You know, as soon as you hear that C word, and unfortunately, when they, it's stage one, and Dr. Adams told me, stage one is very treatable with changes in your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But you hear the C word and the fear kicks in. Instantly. Right? And now they're actually, they're doing surgery on stage one, which is not really necessary in many cases, but the fear kicks in. And one of the reasons that Dr. Eisen was part of our founding board of directors, we wanted kicking cancer to provide that hope. We mm-hmm. wanted to get rid of that fear. Yeah. We wanted it to be the, the prevention message. Absolutely. And Faye, even with her diagnosis, continues to be that light. Yeah. Because pancreatic cancer is hard to beat. Very. <laughs> and when it's left and got to the colon, but she continues to be that light of hope. And she does this amazing Facebook post of encouragement all the time. Big following throughout the world, I think. And so she's providing that hope to people. That's awesome. So that's my story for you. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. And yes, you guys, please keep your prayers and thoughts with Faye. That is heartbreaking news. Um, So thank you both so much for coming in today. I really appreciate it. This was a good one. Uh, And our sponsor for this half is Marianne McNally. She is a residential real estate specialist with Next Home Realty Connection. Give her a call at 503-409-4389 if you're looking to buy a home, sell a home, or just not sure where to start. And then also please as well keep her in your prayers. She is going through her own battle with cancer as well. And we will be back next week as As the the movement movement continues. continues.